Welcome to Sermons from St. David's, a ministry of St. David's Episcopal Church in Southfield, Michigan. It's a chance for us to share a good word of challenge, inspiration, and hope as we walk the journey of faith together. You're welcome to join us on Sundays at 8 a.m. and 10 a.m. for live in-person worship. You can also join our 10 a.m. Eucharist via Zoom. Just go to our website for the meeting ID and password at stdavidssf.org. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength, my redeemer. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. You know, I originally wrote this sermon back in 2017 on our way to vacation in New Orleans. But since then, I've become such a theological giant <laughs> that I have said to myself, you got to rewrite this. It just ain't working. <laughs> Anyways, I absolutely love this time of year because it covers two of my favorite readings. That being the Sermon on the Mountain. How can you not feel hope for humanity and with the beauty of the Beatitudes? And then today, because it shows a parallel between the Hebrew Testament with Jesus' ministries. This is to clarify his relationship with his disciples and why he was sent by God. I was actually thinking about bringing over one of my smoke machines, but that just might have been a little bit overkill because the last time we played out and did it, I had a sore throat for a day and a half. No more smoke. When I was a kid, I remember how most people from Michigan would go on vacation. They would load up their cars and head straight up north, you know, to U on US 23 or I 75. But my family, nope. We loaded up the car and headed straight south for the mountains and the hollers of West Virginia. And I wouldn't change any of those memories for anything. I remember those days and nights when the clouds would move in and cover up the mountaintops. And at times you couldn't even see a house further up in the holler. But now I associate those memories with today's readings, the transfiguration. Isn't that an odd word? It's not like we use it much. I can't remember a time that my wife and I used that word while, let's say, we were out to dinner. <laughs> Just didn't come up. But when I hear the word transfiguration, I think of those mountains. Or when I flew over the Alps or flying through the clouds on the way to New Orleans. And when I wrote this sermon and how I might feel if I was looking up that plane window and saw those three out on that wingtip, I'd have to call the bishop when I landed and say, either I've lost it or I have a miracle. I don't think it'd be the miracle, but anyways. I love this story and do not find it hard to talk about, but very enjoyable. I just put myself into the world and the words of the text and then try to imagine and feel what Peter, John, and James must have seen and felt. So now I ask you to put yourself on that mountaintop of me while we talk a little bit and see how you feel. The transfiguration is a unique part of the synoptic gospels, but differs as in Luke's account. They talked about Jesus's departure. 
but we don't know what they said in Matthew's account. Jesus never announced or foretold of this upcoming event, nor did Hebrew Testament or prophecy. This would have probably had the disciples a little concerned because I'm sure they didn't know much about it either. But it does mark a major turning point in Jesus's life where he is turning more and more towards Jerusalem and the fate that awaits him in the fulfillment of what he spoke only days before. Now in today's reading, it says six days earlier. In Luke's, eight days earlier. Maybe Luke was there a couple days before everybody else got there. But six appears to be one of those important numbers, just like 12 in the Bible. God created the world in six days and rested on the seventh. Hebrew slaves worked for their masters for six years and then freed on the seventh. Mount Sinai was covered by a cloud for six days before Moses ascended. Just interesting information for your thoughts. So, six days prior, Jesus asked, who does the crowd say I am? Their answer, John the Baptist, Elijah, or ancient prophets. Only Peter said, the Messiah. It has been said that by many theologians that the disciples had a problem of getting it. They had problems seeing Jesus as the Son of God and being divine. One would think that after all they had seen and been through with him, you know, just little things like walking on water, raising the dead, curing the sick, restoring sight of the blind, casting out demons, and just days before feeding thousands on five loaves of bread and two fish, and turn around and had 12 baskets full afterwards. You would think they would might just start to get it a little bit. Peter's the only one prior to Jesus's death that was close to getting it, but no door prizes. Jesus told them to say nothing and foretold of the suffering of the Son of Man. So up this unnamed mountain, we go today's reading. Jesus takes Peter, John, and James up the mountain. Why those three? Why not all of them? It seems that most theologians agree on the fact that those three were the first of the apostles slash disciples that Jesus chose as his followers. They were regarded as Jesus's inner circle. Plus the fact Jesus just wasn't ready yet to totally reveal everything that was going to happen. Here are some other parallels that I picked up on. Moses went up a mountain, as Jesus does. Moses takes three followers, Aaron, Nadab, this is a good one, Abihir, or something, as well as <laughs> 70 elders. My Hebrew is not up to par, sorry. Where Jesus takes Peter, James, and John. Jesus' face shines, as did Moses. The difference is, is that Moses was a reflection of God's glory, where Jesus is, is a reflection of his own inner glory. God speaks through a cloud to Moses and Jesus. 
And finally, God says, listen to him. And for Moses, you shall listen to him. It is interesting to see these parallels between the Hebrew Testament and the Christian Testament. Jesus knew all these things and the importance of Hebrew Testament and fulfilling scripture. Now let us go up there. I am sure that it was hot, dusty, rocky, and somewhat unpleasant to climb. But they went up with Jesus to pray. Do you think maybe the three of them were thinking, why just us three? Why do we even have to go up there to pray? One thought is a mountaintop symbolizes where heaven meets and where God lives. He dwells there. And you know, back in those days, I probably would have believed it too. But they followed him because that's what they did. It says that while they were up there, the appearance on his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Things might be getting a little scary and confusing for these guys at this point. Suddenly they saw two men talking to Jesus. It was Moses and Elijah. They are two of the most important and powerful prophets in Hebrew Testament. Moses represents the law and Elijah represents all prophets. And these two are my absolute favorite prophets in the Hebrew Testament. Now, a little tidbit here. Did you know that the oldest photograph in existence was taken probably around 1826 or 1827? So there was no cameras back then. Why do I tell you this? It's because how did they know it was Moses and Elijah? I guess they could have seen a painting or a statue somewhere. Again, like I said, just food for thought come across my mind. At this point, what do you think of the disciples were thinking? What would you be thinking? Do you think they were scared and looking for a quick way back down that mountain? In Luke's gospel, it says that they were talking about his departure in Jerusalem, but this was not talk of the end, but of the future, the fulfillment of God's plans for our salvation. What do you think they were thinking about all this? Where's Jesus going? Then Peter asked Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. Was he really sure or is he just making sure it was okay for them to be up there? I can see more concern growing within them. Then he offers to make three dwellings. Were they hoping to keep all three alive and up there on that mountain? Or maybe to give all three equal status? But just then a cloud came down over them and they were terrified as they entered that cloud. Do you think? A personal testimony here. Do you all remember the TV series, Sanford and Son? I love that show. If I'd been up there, it would have been me going, I'm coming, honey, as soon as I saw that cloud because I'd been out on the ground. <laughs> then Peter would have been hollering down out of the mountaintop Bring a stretcher up here. My gun passed out. Now, 
They see their master's face change. His clothing shines and talk to two great prophets who are no longer with us. And just for your info, Moses had died 13 to 1400 years before Christ was born and Elijah 850 years approximately before Christ was born. So these guys were gone. Now we have this cloud. What else could happen? They were just going up there to pray. Well, now they're going to hear this voice. This is my son, the beloved. With him, I am well pleased. Listen to him. Now be like our president said this. Repeat it. Listen to him. Well, when we hear these words, we probably need them now more than they needed them back there. Because we got some problems now. But we also heard those words when Jesus was baptized. So, the apostles had just heard the voice of God, Yahweh, I am. They're probably sitting there thinking that we're going to die because no one could possibly live through this. The Hebrews believed to even say God's name would mean death. So now they are hearing the voice of God. Like I said, they'd have been carrying me back down that hill, I'm sure of it. But then the cloud was gone, and it was just Jesus, their friend, their rabbi, the teacher, the man who they loved and followed. Now Jesus shows his compassion and understanding on what they were going through. He leans over, touches them, and says, get up, do not be afraid just like any parent would do for their child. But now he was so much more. He was the Messiah, the chosen one, the son of God. But they were just fishermen, not brain surgeons. So how could they process this whole situation? There's never been anything like this in their time. This was a glimpse of his true glory. Those three disciples were chosen by Jesus to experience his transfiguration, the glorification of the human body of Jesus. How hard it must have been not to have talked about that when they were able to share with their friends. They had to wait till after his death. But they did as Jesus asked them to do and said nothing until the right time. And now Jesus' journey continues to Jerusalem and his destiny. You know, life is like those hollers my family came from. There are valleys and there are mountaintops. In our lives, there are highs and there are lows, just like the lives of the disciples. But we must always keep the faith that God is still there, God loves us, and God will wait for us. So next time you see the clouds, think of the transfiguration and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Then think of the voice, listen to him, for he is leading you to a new mountaintop. 
Then ask yourself, what you gonna do if the Holy Spirit gets a hold of you? Amen. Thanks so much for listening. And may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in you that which is pleasing in his sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen.